It's June 15, 2023. It is a Thursday. It is time for another AEW Dynamite review on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. Hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Welcome. We're going to be reviewing the uh, June 14 edition of Dynamite, but listen, look, listen, listen or look or both. Depending on where you're watching right now, that's the point. This is what I'm getting to. If you're watching this on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes right now, Consider giving a like and subscribing if this is the first time you're, you're, you're around here. That would be awesome. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, thank you as well. I appreciate it a great deal. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star ratings on Spotify. Any kind of love that you can, uh, that you can demonstrate, uh, that you can show off, would be very much appreciated because it does help uh, the podcast grow um, uh, tremendously, actually. Helps it, it, all these little tiny things, you know, they all come together. And then next thing you know, wow, Warren Hayes is everywhere. And isn't that the dream? Spoiler alert, it's not the dream. But, you know, you do want you do want growth. You want more people listening in, you know. That's normal, right? Right. Especially when you have, listen, look, let, let's do, if you don't mind, just because, just before, I should say, just before we get into the, uh, into the nitty-gritty here uh, maybe some programming announcements notes a little housekeeping as they like to say um uh, this weekend this sunday actually i will be debuting my brand new aew collision review uh first show is coming up this saturday maybe by the time you're listening to this it's already past sunday and you're like oh yes warren we already know but i am doing a collision uh, review in the same format that I do right here. So next day, um, some uh, some thoughts on the show, break everything down. That's what I'll be doing. So that's exciting. So you know, it's a yeah. So the, again, it's a good idea to subscribe. It's a good idea to not miss out on Mr. Warren Hayes because I'm going to bring much more content to you. So starting this Sunday, actually, and then on top of that, uh, in a couple of weeks, in fact, starting July 15, I will be doing my annual. G1 uh, coverage for the for the G1 Climax 33 that's going to be kicking off on the 15th. So, you know, I'm still, um, I, I, I still haven't made up my mind yet as to whether or not I'm going, uh, I'll, I'll, that I, if I'm going on a daily basis or if I do like I've done, like I've been doing since the get-go, which is combining two days of G1 action into one review. I think I'm, right now I'm leaning towards, at the very least, trying to do, uh, to do a daily. So every day there's a, there's a G1, I pop on and I do a bare minimum audio. Bare minimum audio. So you'll just have like a funky, funky ass graphic here or some video. I don't know, I'll see. I'll see how it goes. And maybe there'll be days where I'm like, look, there's no point in doing a full review here. I don't know. I'll see. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it light. But you will be getting once again daily G1 coverage here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, as I've been doing for the past few years. Uh, and I like it. And I think. Uh, and I think you'll like it too. So, quite frankly, and on top of that, the Mr. Warren Hayes Show proper, this thing that we do on Thursdays, there's never been a better time to subscribe to the channel. So you might as well just you might as well just go all in, haha, <laughs> and do it. 
Okay, now that it's done, let's get on. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and you know, and follow me on your on your podcast apps. I mean, all that stuff. Honestly, I would appreciate it a great deal. But what I appreciated even more, well, maybe not more, but I appreciated a great deal nonetheless, is uh, last night's dynamite. Holy shit! I mean, we are we're back in form. Two weeks in a row, we're getting dynamic, exciting, eventful, pro wrestling. I, I all timer. This don't kid yourselves. June 15, 2023, it's one of these all-timer dynamites. This is one that, uh, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to remember. This is one that, uh, that we'll, we'll be talking about in the history books. Because there's a lot of shit that happened. And that's fun. I like watching wrestling shows where a lot of shit happens. Don't you? Don't you? Th isn't it nice when things feel dynamic? and organic and things are just like happening and you're like and, and the chaos and the excitement don't you like popping out of your seat I do I do and uh listen I can I, I, I want to preface this very quickly or as quickly as Warren Hayes can manage I want to preface this very simply by telling by inviting everyone very sincerely to get the hell off of Twitter. Get the hell off of Twitter. Um, find yourselves some, some communities, wrestling discussion communities that you feel, um, that you feel uh, uh, resemble your tastes. And never mind what the weirdos on Twitter, the weirdos, the randos, have to say in regards to what happened last night. Because I was not lost. I did not lose it. I did not skip a beat. And the conclusion did not bother me. The ending to Dynamite did not create this issue with me. I'm like, there's too much, too many things happening, so on and so forth. I saw people say it was overbooked. Anyone who says last night's ending, conclusion, wrap-up to Dynamite was quote-unquote overbooked is not using that term in the right context. Everything that happened after was a post-match angle. That was fine. The match was not overbooked. The finish was not overbooked. Nothing was overbooked. There was just a lot of shit happening. And I think wrestling, North American wrestling fans are not used anymore to seeing a lot of shit happen and keeping you on your toes. I'll tell you one thing. Maybe you at home sitting next to your, your significant other going, who the hell are all these people? Maybe maybe that didn't, that didn't do it for you. But it did it for the for the people in that audience. They did it for people like me. They did it in all my hunts, on my own Discord, on all the other places that I hang out in. Everyone was losing their mind. So there is a moment where you can sit back and say, you know what, this isn't for me, and you just stop talking about it. Not unlike what I did with a certain other promotion. So it's okay here. To be like, you know what? I don't get what's going on. Now, to be condescending about it, to be an idiot about it, to, to believe that this only draws for hardcores, and this is another situation that we have to stop talking about, that this situation only draws hardcores, that it's only for the hardcore fan. I can't believe we're having this discussion again when 
this quote-unquote hardcore show filled out a hockey arena in Toronto this year. It's another sellout. They did it last year, was a sellout, and we were told it's a show for hardcores, no one's going to watch this, and it was one of the most successful pay-per-views that AEW put on last year, both financially at the gate and in pay-per-view buys. And we are staring down this exact same barrel this year. The exact same barrel. Show is sold out. It's probably going to do wonderful business, pay-per-view-wise, most likely. And yet we still have people going, I don't know who these people are. This does not appeal to the general public. And you know what? It's okay if it's not, if it doesn't appeal to the general public. This is also something that we have to sort of, that we have to sort of coalesce around. That it's okay if it doesn't all 100% appeal to the general public. It, you can do things for your fan base, for the hardcores. It's all right. It's okay for you as a wrestling fan to be catered to directly as opposed to catering to people who, the, the, the mythical straw man casual fan. Right? And it's crazy because a lot of the people who are complaining who say that this is for hardcores, this is only for people, you know, who are really into this shit, a lot of the people who are pulling out these arguments are the same people who got really, really excited and were glued to their screens looking for QR codes and then pulling up their phones and, you know, doing the little puzzles and trying to piece things together. And if you're, not if you're going to tell me that that's not hardcore behavior, I don't know what to tell you. These same people who watch the bloodline angle and are like, oh, did you see how Jay looked at Jimmy that one time at, you know, here's the timestamp, go take a look, you know, clipping it, putting it on Twitter. And they're going to tell me then, these same people, they're going to tell me that this shit is too hardcore, that it's a bad thing that this caters to the audience that they're trying to cater to. Makes no sense to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of people who do this out of bad faith. A lot of people. Not everyone. But there's a lot of people who do this purely out of bad faith. And you have to stop giving air to them. Now why? And how, I should say? How do you stop giving air to them? Get the hell off of Twitter. I have been off of Twitter for a while now. Couldn't be happier. I still get my news. I still have people to discuss with because there's other communities out there. Such as the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord. Link is in the description. Come join us. And we don't only talk about wrestling there either. But that's the idea. That's what a community is about. You come in, you sit around, and you talk about stuff. We don't always agree. That's all right. But at least you will find like-minded people. That's what it's about. You go off on Twitter, you're talking about how exciting, you know, you, you thought last night's episode was, and then you have a bunch of randos suddenly quote tweeting, nerd. It's like, what's the point of this? What is the point? And then we feel we have to talk about it because it's this thing, but no, it is a subset of Twitter. It is a bunch of people you know, who also don't even watch the show. 
still convinced about that. That a lot of these bad faith arguments come from people who don't watch the show. They just see clips. They see things popping up on the internet, on Twitter. And they react to that as opposed to watching the show. Because I cannot... And I cannot wrap my head around anyone who has been watching AEW over the past just couple of weeks, not months, not years, just the past two, three weeks. I cannot imagine anyone going, why was Will Ospreay there? And I don't have to break it down to anyone who's watched Dynamite as to why Will Ospreay was there. And it's not even because they were doing subtle little things. Oh, if you had to, oh, all you had to do was pay attention. And none of that shit, they were ham-fisting this. They were doing pre-tapes. They were doing video packages to explain the Osprey Omega feud. And yet, nonetheless, you get weirdos. Why was Will Osprey there? What is the point of this match? We don't understand. Pe these people don't watch the show. These are bad faith. And we have to cut this shit out. We really have to stop. It's fucking nonsense. And you, as an AEW fan, as a wrestling fan, you should feel absolutely okay to watch whatever you want and enjoy whatever you want. You know, I got, you know, recently... Someone popped up on a, on a review and said, oh, you know, says he likes wrestling but doesn't uh, review WWE. I don't review WWE because I don't like WWE. What would you like me to do? Sit here for an hour every, every week like I do with Dynamite and shit on something that I absolutely do not like? Do you want me to do an NXT, a weekly NXT recap? Where all I do is tell you how it's, you know, the worst wrestling show on cable television and how people stink and how they're not pushing the right people, and how all of it is nonsense, and how the production is awful. Do I mean to get into rants about the Performance Center? I can do that, but it's going to, it's going to sap me emotionally because I don't want to watch things that I don't like. And I don't want to talk about things I don't like, necessarily. Not all the time, not on a weekly basis. Not week after week after week. I've done that in the past. I've watched Raw and reviewed it. I've watched NXT and reviewed it. And SmackDown. I've done it all. But for my own appreciation and love of pro wrestling, I don't want to have to do that anymore. Watching things that I don't want to watch. And I understand people who have to do it for their job. It's their job. They do it for their website, for their own reviews. That's how they get the, you know, that's how they get their money. I mean, it's not a question about money. I have that type of freedom and I understand it. And I'm not trying to shit on anyone who does it. I'm saying for myself, I don't want to do it. So when I get people who tell me, but oh, you don't have a WWE review show. You don't even to review it. You don't. First of all, I review the big shows that everyone knows, right? I do that. But the weekly shows, I, I don't want to subject myself or you to that. Because then what happens is the opposite is then people come in and say, well, Warren never says anything nice about WWE. And I wouldn't. I'd mostly say negative things. I know it. So what's the point? I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. I don't even think it's good pro wrestling overall. 
We get those shining moments on the big shows, on the PLEs. And I'll continue to do that because there's always something, there's most of the time there's something good to glean out of all of this on the PLEs. But on the weekly stuff, I have no interest. No interest at all. So I'm telling you all of this because you as wrestling fans deserve to be excited about what you're what you got you can ignore and it's always you know i saw people talking about here's a litmus test on whether you know on what type of fan you are well here i'm going to tell you one thing here's a things that happen like last night here's a litmus test as to who you should follow on social media who you should follow in wrestling media itself It'd be like, yeah, I'm going to connect with this person because they represent what I like and ignore people who go out of their way to just say the opposite. To just continuously bash a product that is so close to what professional wrestling actually should be. Not a WWE clone Something different, something fresh. If you like it, you are entitled to like it and you should absolutely, look, get off Twitter to begin, but if you don't want to, you know who to ignore moving forward in these types of situations like we have here. But that's enough of that. I talked way too long about all of this bullshit. Let's get into the to the show itself because the show is much more interesting than whatever weirdos out there are saying about it. Show started off with the uh, world title eliminator match. MJF champion versus Adam Cole went to a time limit draw. They kicked this off here and I'm in the Discord and I say, oh, Adam Cole is losing this match. If they're starting off with it, What an extraordinary piece of business this match was, all right? Regardless of, you know, what, what I was predicting in the Discord. What an extraordinary piece of business for free television this, this was. We got, we get, you know, we get everything that we love about a good, exciting pro wrestling match. The crowd was so friggin' hot for this. I'm sorry to say, to anyone who was, you know, who immediately jumped on the uh, Adam Cole is washed wagon because of a couple of weeks of, you know, subpar performances by Adam Cole. I'm sorry to say that the Adam Cole babyface project is working. Did you see how hot that crowd was when he came out and how he was lighting up the audience? They were into him. Now, I also prefer Adam Cole as a heel. Do not get me wrong. I think he is a such a capable slime ball. I love him so much. But this all worked here. And it has been working because the live crowds are into this. They're into this guy and they were into this match. And Cole worked hard. He worked super hard. So did MJF. 
and and they did so and this is why one of the, this is one of the things that I don't understand what you know this is one of the ways let me rephrase that this is one of the ways you can find the the AEW detractors here cuz it wasn't flippy shit it wasn't oh just people we don't know it wasn't you know all the usual things you had by all intents and purposes a wonderful excellent north american prof style professional prof excuse me north american style professional wrestling match that's what we had here this is what we got out of this match two guys who did not focus on you know throwing themselves off of shit or you know doing you know incredible feats of acrobatics an athletic competition we got ourselves a pro wrestling match beautifully told by two guys who have incredible excellent pro wrestling brains and who put this match together wonderfully this is what we had here and you like your stories you like your little stories and there was plenty of them so anyone who's looking at this and saying AEW bullshit I don't understand like I don't know what those people want anymore because this was the closest that what I've seen of it to a, something to a match that resembles a WWE style and a well done you know a well executed WWE match this is the closest I've seen in a while It's not that we didn't get great spots. We got the fucking ass. We we got the fucking mind-blowing spots throughout this excellent story that just built on energy and anticipation. This crowd and myself, I was on the edge of my seat. This crowd was up on their feet for the majority of the second half of this match. MJF in this match, he's smart. He's trying to destroy Cole's hand and arm. And then, then... The turning point of this match, MJF lands a heat seeker and then Bryce checks on Cole and everyone is sort of, no one is saying the word concussion out loud because they're not leaning into it. They're not like, oh no. But we all know. We're all looking at this and they're like, shit, he just dropped him on his head. I hope he's okay. And then Bryce is coming in close to check on him. The camera sort of cuts away, but not entirely. I have a reasonable amount of doubt as I'm watching this. I'm like, fuck. They're either doing a really good job or Cole is injured. And I don't know what to think right now. But the fact that they started cutting back to Cole, I was like, okay, I think he's all right. Then we have the setup for the big spot where MJF does a huge elbow drop off the top rope through the timekeeper's table on Adam Cole on the floor. A beautifully executed spot too. Like that was perfect. They did the replay and it was perfect. Perfect move by MJF. And they're doing it and they're leaning into Adam Cole a little harder here. He's got Doc Samson talking with him and they're talking to each other in the ring. They're going like this, you know, they're going, covering their mouth. To, and I'm like, shit, is something wrong? But then I, you realize it's not a question of there being something wrong. After the match, you realize... Oh, they're talking about time. That's what they're doing here. How much time? We got these spots left. They're staying coordinated. It's not, 
Shit, I think Adam Cole is injured. There's so much great selling in this. Adam Cole, his selling here, and this is something, look, if he wants to milk the concussion, let him fucking milk it. Danielson did the same thing, and he still does, less because he's a heel now, but he, Danielson still milks the neck. He should absolutely do it. It's pro wrestling, it's fine. Lots of great anxiety around whether Adam Cole is really hurt or not. But he's fine. He does a Florida Keys on the apron. The, 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 the straight jacket German, he pulls that out. Then we get a ref bump. NJF sees the opportunity to, you know, to, to screw this up. So he goes, he gets the belt, and he does the lie, cheat, and steal uh, spot where he tosses the belt to Cole. He lies back on his uh, on his back. The referee gets back up. It was a pretty savage bump apparently because Bryce gets back up but then collapses again which sort of throws a monkey wrench into MJF's plan. Everyone reacts to it. Nice little wrinkle there where Adam Cole is there standing holding the belt with a, with a grin on his face and MJF goes, oh shit, I'm fucked. And Adam Cole pelts him with the belt. And why wouldn't he? Because it is the kind of thing Adam Cole would do. Even though he's a babyface, it all makes sense. This ain't, this ain't Jungle Boy here with a crisis of conscience. This is Adam Cole. He clobbers MJF with the belt, lands the boom, covers him. Bryce ekes his way over and does a super slow count which gives more than enough time for MJF to kick out of it crowd is up on their feet then there's a low blow Bryce knows something's up he didn't quite see it but he knows something's up he's checking on Adam Cole while MJF pulls out the dynamite diamond ring heads back over to slug uh, Adam Cole with it but Bryce interrupts him we're getting we're getting smart refs. Now, I know there's, there's going to be weirdos out there saying Bryce Remsburg steals all the heat. It's a meme in the Discord on top of that because I love Bryce Remsburg. It's not even a real thing. And you can say, Bryce, there he goes, stealing all the heat again. Oh, the referees are taking too much spot. Again, we've been doing this for so long in this format that has been established by one singular company, why don't we try something new? Like, for instance, super smart refs who are who finally understand, because they fucking watch tape. They're like, you know what this MJF bastard? This is probably what he's going to do. And Bryce, not being a dummy, fully expects it and interrupts the punch. No heat stealing, crowd reacted crazy for this, I even was like, the, nothing but great wrinkles in this match to expectations, to things that you think are going to happen, but it's something else that happens instead. I thought this ruled. Cole then lands the Panama Sunrise, lands another boom, covers one, two, but the bell rings beforehand. Everyone is sort of like, wait, what the hell happened? It's the time limit draw. We get to the time limit draw. Cole asks for five more minutes to a huge reaction from the crowd. And of course, MJF says, no, you had 30 minutes, pal, and you couldn't get it done. I'm out of here. 
I'm getting to the pay window. I've got dinner reservations. Good for him. I don't know what else you want out of this match. I don't know. Where's the story? Nothing. Dripping with story. Dripping with intrigue. Dripping with drama. The only thing that was missing was a two-minute in-ring monologue. And I guess that's all that, was, that would have been needed for people to get all in on this. This ruled. The match itself was fantastic. This is going to be one that you're going to remember. What a great TV match. And the time limit, I know there's arguments. It seems like it's a 30 minutes. I'll tell you one thing. Cage match has listed it at 30 minutes. Cage match does the stopwatch thing. So, you know, as far as reliability goes, I'm good with cage match. If they say it's 30 minutes, I'll buy into it. And even if it's 29 minutes, 57 seconds, who gives a shit? I don't care because the story works. It's not, it's not as if there was a full three minutes missing. Then you'd be like, eh. But this is all kayfabe. It's all story. And was the story told well? Yes. And should it, did it have to end this way? Yes. And if it really did end at 30 minutes, as they were counting the three, as Bryce was delivering the three count, that's ballsy as shit. That is a ballsy call. That's world class. <laughs> That's a, I don't know. But that was perfect. Perfect in execution. Just wonderful. What a match. And MJF, was, he was such a perfect douchebag all throughout the match. Especially at first. He's excellent. And people are like, oh, he does the jack off motion. Who yes, because he's a douchebag. You're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to be, eh. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, July is coming up and there's going to be a lot of half-year lists. A lot of people have already started not realizing that June is still part of the first six months of the year. June 1st is not the halfway mark of the year. You know, so we're going to get to July and people are going to, you know, a lot of people right now, let's put it that way. A lot of people right now are, are, are putting out their lists. Their half-year list, you know, rest halfway. We have to make a case for MJF's output. He maybe he's not the guy who wrestles the most, but his output in 2022, uh, 23 so far has been remarkable. For a guy, you know, who hates the work rate, doesn't care about five stars, which is what he says. Uh, he's been delivering and over-delivering in matches. He's been solid. Solid and has a, right now has a, 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 a catalog of excellent matches. Might not be numerous, but the ones he did wrestle counted, they mattered, and they were great. Great to excellent. Anyway, what a fantastic opening. And, and, and no, I'm not getting into, I'm not going to dive deeper into the, into the, the discourse over the 30-minute time limit. Was it really 30 minutes? You know, it's, it, by the time, you know, presentations were done to the bell, it is a 30 minute gap. Was it a precise 30 minutes? I don't know who cares. You know, otherwise, you know, let's start timing Royal Rumble entrance, right? Let, let's start, because we all know that's kayfabe too. They're, they've been better to sticking to the, to the time, to, to the time uh, uh, limits between uh, entrance 
they've been better at it over the past couple of years. But I mean, this was a laughable joke for many, many years. I was like, no, the two minutes between each entrant, between each entrant, there was there were years I was like, no, this this was thirty seconds. What are we doing here? Um. No, yeah, listen, this was uh, this was fantastic. A great, great TV match. A great match, period. Let's put it that way. Great match, period. And it was on TV. I would be lying. Here's my last my last thought that just came to, popped into my brain, but it does matter uh, to be pointed out here. I would be lying if I didn't tell you that Adam Cole did not need this match. This was Adam Cole's best AEW match. Bar none. So I'd be lying if I told you, and especially after what happened over the past couple of weeks, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that he did not need this. And he needed it, and he got it. Came off as a star, looked great. I think we're starting to see what where, where Adam Cole is starting to fall as far as match style. He's not gonna be able to do, you know, high risk, high maneuver stuff anymore probably most likely but if he can focus on his on his on his strengths here which is storytelling which is pulling out the big move at the right time is not everything was perfect in this match as far as he goes you know like look most of it was excellent but you know at some point he, he slaps on an ankle lock and they're like wow that's a that's a weak ass ankle lock adam like there's things where i'm like what's going on here but in the scheme of this match, got nothing to complain about. Absolutely nothing to complain about. So hopefully this is momentum that will continue to carry him because he really did need this. All right, there's other stuff that happened on the show. We get uh, we go to commercial when we come back. We get a pre-tape for CM Punk's return to Collision. Well, his return on Saturday to AEW on the debut collision. They actually did a pre-tape, which I am glad they did. This is something they should have been doing for weeks. You know, I think Tony is realizing that the drip feed formula for collision did not work. People are not, didn't quite know what to expect and it has been harmful to uh, ticket sales. I'm not going to rehash that. I talked about it again on Tuesday this week on the on the on the podcast. So you can check that out if you want. But uh, this is something that should have been happening for weeks. And the big question was: Will CM Punk cut a promo? And the answer is obviously yes. Here he said it himself. I've got things I uh, I need to get off my chest. I'm ex- look. I'm excited for it. I'm not, I can't lie to you. I am excited to see how this first collision goes down with our boy here. And he said in this, in his pre-tape, he says, the, he said the only thing that's certain about CM Punk right now is that nothing's certain. And I'm like, oh yeah, pal. Oh, we know this. He said, the only thing that's certain about CM Punk right now? No, this is like, this is the only thing that's certain about CM Punk, period, is that nothing's certain. This is not new to me. It shouldn't be news to anyone at this point anywhere ever. 
CM Punk is the definition of uncertainty. What will he do next? But we're going to make it to Saturday, right? Right? Guys, gals, non-binary pals, we're just like, we got Thursday, Friday, then we got to go through Saturday. We're, we're in the home stretch. We're going to make it, right? There's not going to be an incident, right? Right? There couldn't possibly be something that's going to happen, right? Right? Rene Paquette is in the ring. She uh, welcomes Sammy Guevara to the ring. Apparently, we're going to try... Uh, we're going to keep trying to babyface Sammy here. You know, that, you know, I think the... Uh, you know, when I think about trying to get over Sammy as a babyface, I cannot help but think of the... Uh, the mean girls thing about stop trying to make fetch happen. Tammy comes out and he has a very mixed reaction and I would say majority booze here. He says they're having a baby girl, which is great, of course. Congratulated the couple. So congratulations, Sammy and, and friend of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord, Ty Conchi, Ty Mello. We appreciate you both and congratulations uh, on on your upcoming parenthood, and 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 Sammy goes back to start and he starts talking about double or nothing when most of us just want to put all of that behind us, and he says that now he has difficult decisions to make in regards to his professional career. Darby comes out to share some promo time. I thought we were done with the the pillars cutting promos. I think hadn't we learned our lesson? Who who is out here saying that Sammy Guevara is a great promo? And, and Darby is better when he doesn't talk. Not that he's a bad promo. I just think his character is better when he doesn't talk. Anyway, Darby still talks uh, about being disrespected. He, he talks about Double or Nothing and how Chris Jericho disrespects Sammy Guevara. So that brings Chris Jericho out. And he's mad. He's sour. And he, he wants to cut the music. Oh no, people can't sing Judas. What a heel. He he gets into Guevara's face and he's, you know, they 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 trade very passive aggressive barbs at each other. Hey, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me? They're teasing a split, right? But Jericho sets up a match with Lesex Gods next week against Darby and no one. He says, "You got no one who you got no one." And Darby's like, "No, I've got someone." And Sting comes out Shares a ring with Chris Jericho, which is cool because indeed, like Excalibur said, and this has been verified and triple verified, um, Chris Jericho and uh, and Sting have never shared a ring. Ever. Even checked, um, you know, even have confirmation, not even in a, in a World War III WCW thing. Yeah, sure, in, in WCW, Sting and Chris Jericho were on different... Lanes, you know, uh, um, Sting was a heavyweight, Jericho was a cruiserweight, but um, not even in a in a World War Three environment. Nothing, never happened. So that's pretty cool. They have a bat off, a bat off. They swing, they swing each other's bats at each other's bats. It's sounding kind of kind of weird now. <laughs> Look, do you want to know what I think they should do here? Because, I, again, I, I'm... 
Sammy Guevara is a guy who should be a heel. I, I will not... I, 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 I'm having trouble budging on that position. He should be a heel. Because I think he's a natural heel. I think naturally people want to boo him. But if you're going to try the babyface thing, I think they have something interesting here. This is what I think they should do. They should have Jericho turn on him, but not just turn on him, beat the living shit out of him. Him and the Jericho Appreciation Society, if, if need be. Send him off on a stretcher. Hit the bricks, pal. So he can take time off with his new family. Have Sammy go away. Get the tar beat out of him by Chris Jericho. Then maybe, eventually, have him come back for revenge on Chris Jericho. And I, I think that's a good babyface story to say. And if it's done properly, it might do what needs to be done. And hey, at the same time, it'll get some heat for Chris Jericho, who keeps losing his matches because he's always putting people over. Might be a good way for him to regain some good old-fashioned heel heat by destroying like his friend, the protege. You know, I think that'd be great. Will it work? That's a whole other thing. We cut to a pre-tape of Sonata, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He's on my AEW and he issues an open challenge for Forbidden Door 2. Why don't we cut to the rest of this that happens later on in the evening? We'll all talk about it in one block. Why don't we do that? Later on, right, Jungle Boy is with Rene Paquette. Well, Jungle Hook is with Rene Paquette, right? And Jungle Boy, he's pumping up himself and Hook, you know, and said, you know, the, you know, we're, you know, it's summer, it's the summer of Jungle Hook, right? We're gonna be great together, it's, it's gonna be awesome. But he says, you know, we got our beautiful man Hook here with a belt and I feel kinda, kinda nude without it. So he accepts Sonata's open challenge. And he says, you know, he, he asks Hook, says, you know, you're not just my tag team partner, you're my best friend. I'd like you to be on my, in my corner for Forbidden Door. You know, they fist bump. So, <laughs> so we're getting the battle of the, we're getting, we're getting a very interesting fight between two guys, Sonata and Jungle Boy, who are both in the minds of multiple fans, um, top guys, main eventers, champions, world champions, but who in practice have a little difficulty getting that aura of being the guy, right? Uh, I'm still very much on the fence in regards to Sonata. Even, you know, I was talking when I was talking about the, the you know, my G1, the G1 blocks earlier this week. You know, I said, yeah, I'm starting to lose faith in this Sonata experiment. I'm not sure this is working out. I'm not sure he's the guy. You know, you get him in the ring with Hiromu, people cheer for Hiromu. Get him in the ring with Yoda Suji, people cheer for Yoda Suji. Not cheering for your top guy. And I don't think North American audiences have accepted him really as the top guy either, but he hasn't done anything really to blow uh, to, to blow your mind. And I think there's a lot of parallels you can draw with Jungle Boy where a lot of people say, oh, he's the future, he's a future world champion. And there's a bunch of people who are 
who detract from that idea, and I can understand the argument, who detract from that idea and say, no, Jungle Boy, uh, he's very mid and, uh, you know, doesn't have as high a ceiling as people think. We're getting a perfectly paired up match here of two guys who are just, you know, who a lot of the fan bases go, eh, I like him and all, but, eh. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I think I'm being pretty objective here. This is a situation that, that, that exists in regards to both of these guys. Whatever your personal feelings are, no, I think Jungle Boy, this is a, this is a, 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 a permeating part of the discourse regarding both Sonata and Jungle Boy. So, you know, is this going to be <clears throat> the Barden Burner five star? It could be, because here's the thing, the match is gonna be good. Don't get me wrong. The match is gonna be good. I have I have no doubt in my mind. It's just, I find the pairing in the context of both of these men's careers. I think the context is very interesting and a little peculiar. And there's a lot of parallels you can draw here. Now, I think it is clearer than ever with the promo that Jungle Boy cut here that he's turning heel. Right? Oh, you're my best friend. You're not just my partner. The summer of Jungle Hook. We're going to be so awesome together. He's turning. I think it is more than obvious at this point. And we got the eight-man tag. Darby Allen, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, and Sting defeated the Mogul Embassy. This is a hot eight-man tag. I love this match. Lots of fast-paced tags. Some smart team action, too. Brian Cage, sporting Sting makeup. They had this incredible triple team by the Embassy Big Dudes on Darby Allen, followed up by a flying knee by Swerve. It was just fantastic. Flipping Stunner gets the tag to the hot tag to Keith Lee, who gets sunset flipped. Your sunset flipping Keith Lee. Now, his he didn't stick his landing. I think he was supposed to land on his feet, which would have made the thing even more impressive. But just the idea of him doing a sunset flip or getting sunset flipped, that's bananas, folks. Everyone gets their shit in in this match. This was a lot of fun. Fast-paced and awesome until Sting gets in, cleans house, gets a little assistance by Orange Cassidy to land a scorpion death drop for the win. I like this a lot. I thought this was a, a, a blast. And, and if low-key right now, and Brian Cage got the pin, right? Which is probably why he got the makeup on I think he was, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Cage lobbied to get the pin, to get pinned by Sting. I think that, I think that was meaningful to him and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think a, a lot of what's happening with the embassy over the next, over the past few weeks, um, a couple of weeks is, uh, is how Toa, Leona and Bishop Khan are just having this realization that the, the AEW fan base is having this realization regarding these two guys that these guys are fucking amazing. I think Tola, Toa Leona is is a hidden gem on this roster and is a guy that, you know, if Tony wanted to lean into and give him some, uh, give him some, 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 uh, some shine, some push, he would deliver and probably over deliver. But as it stands right now, I think the, what do they call themselves? The not the archers of pain, the, the the not the authors of pain. Anyway, I don't remember what their tag team name is. But Khan and Leon 
fantastic. They're absolutely fantastic. And they've been coming across as just this wonderful, destructive tag team. This is all great. And we're continuing the Orange Cassidy story on top of this. It's good stuff. Renee Paquette is backstage with the guns. And I don't really care. And they say they don't know what Renee is talking about when she asks what their affiliation with Bullet Club Gold is. But they're here to challenge the Hardy Boys for next week. And I could not care less. I am not excited at the prospect of the guns versus the Hardys. Couldn't get me less excited, pals. And we get the AEW TNT title match. Wardlow defeated Jake Hager. Wardlow comes out. Hager attacks him while he's still at the top of the ramp, which I think was great. Smart thinking by Hager. This was a quick and effective match for Wardlow to get a win over another big guy like Hager. Hager gets thrown around quite a bit. And Hager, look, I can't fault him. He did what needed to be done here. Made Wardlow look like a million bucks. Hager looks like, you know, with his long gangly arms and... He looks like a he looks like a, a giant, right? So you know, you have Wardlow throw him around. Jericho Appreciation Society come out to distract, but they get thrown back by Arn Anderson and Brock Anderson, who's coming in to get some revenge over the attack from last week. So they all fight to the back. Powerbomb Symphony gets the win for Wardlow. This is fine. Entertaining. Crowd was into it. This is good. After the match, though, Christian Cage pops up on the Titan Tron and Tony Tron, excuse me, and uh, he cuts a promo once the audio settles in. Jesus Christ. Like, what is it with AEW and their audio issues, though, if we're being completely, completely honest with each other? Like, we're into, we're into, you know, I make a joke of it, you know, that the greatest feud in professional uh, on the independent circuit is indie promotions versus, uh, you know, their audio feeds. Is this what's happening here? Is there, are we going into, you know, are we going into GCW territory here? Anyway. Christian Cage fight, finally cuts the promo on the Tony Tron, you know, uh, basically saying, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're going to set up a, set up a match here. We accept the challenge for, and that's what we're getting at collision, right? We're getting Wardlow versus Luchasaurus. He says, what's going to happen when your dad, when your new daddy isn't around to help? And they punked out Arn Anderson, who's bleeding from the head. So that's a thing that happened. Of course, Wardlow runs back, but we don't hear or see anything about this for the rest of the evening. We cut to Hiroshi Tanahashi challenging MJF for the world title. At Forbidden Door. He says, as long as you're a champion, that belt will not shine. Now, I don't think there is a better pairing. And I mentioned this. And I can't remember where. But I had mentioned, you know, my I, what I would even have done is, don't book MJF on the show. Have him walk out at Forbidden Door and talk about all the jab, all of us nerds in the audience. I say us because I'm going to be there. But talk about all the nerds in the audience and watching at home, watching this, you know, this indie fed 
and then have Hiroshi Tanahashi like the icon, the ace, the face of AEW, uh, of New Japan come out. Have a confrontation face-to-face, -face, have him beat him up. And then I was like, then carry this match over onto next week's Dynamite. Have Tanahashi stick around for a bit. He doesn't have to be uh, in Japan until uh, uh, until the 15th. Then have MJF and Tanahashi on a Wednesday night. But they're going to go with it right here. I'm okay with this. Like the whole, the idea still stands. That MJF, the guy who hates Japanese wrestling, wink, wink, calls it, you know, says it's nerds for nerds, work rate, you know, the, the guy who positions himself as being the complete antithesis to Puro being challenged by Hiroshi Tanahashi and his Rene Paquette then ends up, ends up backstage with MJF in the trainer's room where MJF is being looked after. MJF says he will never wrestle some rando from a rinky-dink indie in Japan. And again, MJF knows exactly what he's doing here. He is calling all of the, the weirdos on Twitter, everyone who says this about New Japan without understanding a, a, a lick about pro wrestling, think that New, New Japan is an indie fed, just a tiny little conglomerate of things. He knows what he's doing. Not unlike the Vince McMahon things from last week. If this is how you want to make your, your fans angry, you want to get them pissed off at you, this is what you say. So he's into it. He understands. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. It's just Tony Khan decided to book me without checking with me first. And he tells Tony Khan, I'm not going to do it. And you know, this wouldn't be the first time I know show a booking. I don't know why... I don't know why people nitpick MJF shit so much when every time he is so spot on. There are times that he is greater, but he is never bad. He is never bad and he always gets it. He understands. There is no more student of the game than Maxwell Jacob Friedman in both how he carries himself outside the ring, how he designs his matches inside the ring, this guy gets it. And we have to stop pretending that just because, you know, he does the jack-off movement in the ring, that he, that he, he says, your, your mama swallows, you know, in promos, that he's, you know, oh no, that he, this, is, these, this is cancelable offenses. No, you're not supposed to like him. This is the whole deal. He goes into the audience last night, flips a cap off of a, uh, off of a kid, a kid, you know, a teenager, whatever, at the most, in the early 20s at the most. The kid's up. He's got his arms in the air. He's woo! I don't think wrestlers should touch fans. Come on now. Stop! Orange Cassidy is backstage with Renee. Jesus, Renee was all over the place, right? She doesn't need to do CrossFit. She asks, what's next for Orange Cassidy? He says, well, I'm going to wait here till someone walks in to challenge me. Oh, here they come. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how good this Orange Cassidy character is working, right? It's nuts. It's so good. Well, who walks in, do you ask? Zack Sabre Jr., current New Japan Pro Wrestling World Television Champion. And he says... I would love to be a dual champion. I want to challenge you for the international title. Now, at first, I got excited because like, oh, is this going to be 
<clears throat> a double belt thing, but I re-listened to it. It's not a title for title. It's, anyway, as it stands right now, it's for the international title. Orange Cassidy and Zack Sabre Jr., are you kidding me? This is going to rule. This is going to rule. With this, the streak that both of these guys are. They, basically, what this match is, is the match of the workhorses. The guys who are constantly working and putting out good to excellent matches on a weekly basis. Or near weekly basis in the case of, of, of uh, Zack. But he's been out there doing fantastic work. Up and down, Ring of Honor, North America, Japan, everywhere. And Orange Cassidy, I don't think we have to rehash how great he's been. These are two, these are two of the workhorses. These are the two workhorses of either promotion that are going head to head. Expect nothing but greatness here. This is gonna rule. Then Dan Garcia comes in and asks Orange Cassidy, where's your boy Shibata? Because I want the pure title. So are we getting Dan Garcia versus Katsuyuri Shibata at Forbidden Door? I would hope so. Because that would make my heart very happy to see Katsuyuri Shibata live once in my life. But we could also be getting that at, um, at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Which it's not, is it, it's not Super Card of Honor. I don't remember. I don't remember the name. But the next Ring of Honor show. And in the meantime, we're getting a tag team next week. Orange and Katsuri Shibata taking on uh, taking on uh, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Garcia. Where's your boy Shibata? You'll love to hear it. Going up to Orange Cassidy. Talking about the purest of pure wrestlers. Katsuri, where's your boy? You'll love it. I God, I love pro wrestling. AEW Women's World Title match then occurred. Tony Storm successfully retained against Sky Blue. I thought this was Sky Blue's best effort in AEW to date. I think it's hard to question. I don't know. There's nothing. And I thought about it and I pondered over it. I went over to cage match. I looked. I I I am. I cannot think of a. Better showing, better match from Sky Blue than what she did here. Her mother was in the audience and Jesus does her mother look like her. They look alike. Like there, there is no question to me. Like you would introduce that lady to me outside of a wrestling context. Outside of a ring. Does your, does your daughter wrestle for AEW? She's, they just look alike. Anyway, Sky Blue here. She's on fire to start this off. I think she you know, she has a great opening sequence. Uh, Tony Storm sprays her mom with the paint, the spray paint. Then gets in control on the floor. Eat, uh, uh, Sky Blue eats some guardrail. But Sky Blue also has spray paint that gets tossed into the audience. And uh, she hits a code red or a code blue, I think is what she calls it. Anyway... But uh, Ruby Soho distracts so the referee doesn't see it. We get the visual pin though. Storm Zero by Tony Storm. And Sky Blue kicks out. So what does uh, what does Tony Storm do? Well, she locks in the cloverleaf. And Blue taps out. I enjoyed this. Fun little match. Fun, fun, fun little match. After the match, 
The outcasts continue beating up on Sky Blue. So Willow Nightingale comes out for the save. I don't know what this is setting up exactly. I think we've got a we've got a tag team match, I believe, set up for collision, I believe. Don't quote me on this. But yeah, let, sure. Let's do it. Let's Willow deserves more airtime. Everyone, everyone fucking loves Willow Nightingale. We get a pre-tape for collision with the black, uh, not the black, but the Bullet Club Gold and FTR hyping up their trios match, their main event for this Saturday. God, I'm, I'm so, and, and, and then we get a whole, you know, a whole bunch of people being announced for the match. Miro's going to be there, Andrade versus Buddy Murphy, which actually should be a lot of fun because they, those guys are pals. They really like each other. Um, so Andrade's getting his match back. It, you know, there's a lot of the malcontents that are showing back up is what I'm trying to say. And then finally, the main event. What a main event. The Elite. What am I saying? They may not have, they may not have said the Hung Bucks on television. But you know and I know that those were the Hung Bucks. Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page and the, and the, the Jacksons defeating the Blackpool Combat Club trio of Claudio Castagnoli, John Moxley, Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta. Danielson is out for commentary. Another awesome main event. And it ruled. The Hung Bucks are out in full force with the Bucks. God, the Bucks look dorky, but so intentionally dorky with their... Oh, I love it. But you see then, Hangman Page, friends, he's the man. You know, so as the Bucks are coming down and they're being, you know, their, their cocky weirdo selves, Paige hits the ring and who does he step up to? He steps right up to Mox and he's ready to go. Paige is the man. And he's right into Mox's face and he's just so full of star power and presence. And it's crazy. It's crazy how much this guy has grown into this role. Let's not forget, he was... One of the original challengers, well, he was in the original finals for the, the, the AEW world title, right? For the, to crown the first champion. You were like, oh, there's something, there's something there, but it's miss, missing. And look how much he's grown into this role, into being a top guy. This is a top guy for the company. This is an ace. This is a guy you can absolutely put everything you want behind. Everyone get in this match gets some real exciting shit in. I loved the suspended slash assisted shooting star press from Hangman off the apron onto Utes. Nick Jackson doing all sorts of great stuff. And this the incredible hot tag that Adam Page got. Where was a it was essentially a cardio workout. He's running all over the place, knocking dudes down, landing, dives. BCC have a great heat segment on top of all of this as well. Don't get me wrong. Like, everyone is great here. BTE triggered a buckshot lariat for the win on Wheeler Yuta. You see Danielson rubbing his face. Like, ugh. This was... Look, the match was great. But listen, we're... The story here. I started talking about it at the top of the show. But we all know what the story is uh, from this point moving forward. The story here, of course, is um, the, the the story here, of course, has everything to do with um, 
uh, with everything that happened afterwards. So the BCC start beating down on the Hung Bucks. Eddie Kingston's music hits. But you don't work here anymore, Eddie. Eddie King's rousing response from the audience. He goes straight, straight for, for Claudio. But Yuta sort of steps in. He eats a backfist to the future. Claudio eats one too. Mox runs in. But they don't attack each other. Why? Because they're friends. We know this. They're pals. And they're mouthing off at each other. Mox is like, what are you doing to my boys? And he's like, I don't give a shit about your boys. I hate Fadika and Claudio Castagnoli. <laughs> They're arguing with each other. Matt Jackson then attacks John Moxley and he pulls the Jacksons off of Mox. So they're like, what the fuck are you doing, Eddie? What are you doing? This is my friend. I'm sticking up for him. So they all start shoving each other. Kinistic Takeshita then runs in to attack Kingston. That gets a big reaction from the crowd and they're laying into each other and then Kenny Omega appears battle cry he runs in crowd goes nuts he goes after Takeshita he and Takeshita trade forums this is going to be a hot steaming blazing hot promo uh, uh, program excuse me for this company Kenosuke Takeshita and, and Kenny Omega we get V-triggers, super kick parties, a dragon suplex. Omega sets up for another V-trigger. And out of the audience appears Will Ospreay. And he takes Omega down with a kick and a hidden blade. And Danielson is so happy from the commentary position. He gets up and gives Will Ospreay a standing ovation. And Will Ospreay gives a second hidden blade to Omega on top of that. And we're ending in confusion and everyone's still, oh, Will Ospreay did this. And, and the last thing you see as we're closing out AEW Dynamite on a Wednesday, the last picture you see is Will Ospreay. I don't know what to tell y'all. This fucking ruled. And it established so many stories reinvigorated a lot of stories but we got what like four five Kingston and Claudio Kingston and 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 Mox right and then we have uh uh um uh, and then we have you know uh uh uh, 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 uh Takeshita and Omega and Omega with uh, uh Omega and uh, 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 uh um Osprey of course that's four stories right there not to mention the lingering uh, 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 feud, the 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 overarching feud of the elite with the BCC. So that's five stories everywhere, folks. What do you want from me, the company that doesn't do stories? I, I hit the bricks again. Listen to people who watch the show, who know what they're talking about. There are those are the stories. They're right there. They could be. They could not be clearer. I'll tell you, I was at a point that I was expecting the coin drop. When Danielson was up there applauding at the top of the ramp, I was expecting the coin drop. I was expecting Okada to pop up. Uh, but uh, he's almost a lock, right? 
Okada is a lock for next week, for next Wednesday, right? He has to be. All sorts of matches added to Forbidden Door. It's such a great undercard. It's still propelled by those two top matches. Anything else is just gravy at this point. I'm fantastic, chaotic, energetic ending to this show. Stuff happening. I know for 20 years we've been conditioned to say not too much stuff happening, folks. Mm, we got to take it back a little bit. I see this. I'm like, don't do this every week. Make this feel special. So that when you do do it, it becomes a signature. It, this kind of thing could become a signature. Running on top of running on top of running. And if anyone was losing pace here, there's too much stuff going on. Like, my God, okay. Jeez, really? All of this was great. I said my piece in regards to what people feel about this, how the show ended. And I implore, I implore you, if you enjoyed it, to focus on people who will bring you joy in your enjoyment, who will not make you feel like you're a little strange, that you should go to a fight. Get off Twitter, join communities, listen to people like me. This ruled. And I'm excited for this. And you know what this did? Made me excited for next week's Dynamite. Made me excited for Forbidden Door. Just like it should do. And I love being excited for Dynamite. Because that's how I should feel about Dynamite. I, I, we'll close off on this thought. And I apologize. I don't remember where I read it. Or who, maybe it was in a chat somewhere. I don't remember. And I apologize. But there was a, a, a topic going around saying that Tony Khan doesn't pivot. Like he, he, there was a time, remember, you know, 2019, 2020, he pivoted. He turned everything around. Things weren't going right and he pivoted, right? You remember that? Tony Khan doesn't pivot anymore. He's, you know, he's more a stick to the plan type of guy. Which, to a degree, I am with, but... A very to a very you know a very minimal piece of that pie a very slim slice because I think he does pivot I think he pivoted right here I think it's foolish to believe that Tony Khan did not uh, 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 hear and receive and took to heart the criticisms that he faced throughout most of April leading into you know some of March but mostly April leading into uh, uh, double or nothing with a lot of the feuds with a lot of the stories that were going on you would uh, do not believe that he did not take that to heart and did not pivot off of that to say whatever we were doing here didn't work we're going to go back down this path because the dynamite after Forbidden Door was nuts we were back to form we were slapping our hands together and we're like AW back baby
So don't think he didn't pivot because I can feel the pivot. I can feel us going back to the strengths of dynamite as opposed to whatever they were doing with the four pillars, whatever they were doing with a bunch of stories that were being set up on, uh, 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 on the show. We're going back to what makes dynamite good. Great matches, great promos, maybe not here top to bottom, but, and shit happening, shit happening. Compelling, interesting stuff that advances stories, doesn't leave things lingering for weeks. All this worked. And we are going to wrap this up for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, likes, subscriptions, follows, all of that on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app. They would all be tremendously appreciated. Uh, and thank you, most importantly, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this review. I'll be back on Sunday. Make a note of it. So it's, again, it's a good time to subscribe. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time.